0: Hey there, and welcome to Scraptitude. Scraptitude is a channel of Rising Young Minds, a platform designed to elevate original content and perspectives. Find more Rising Young Minds content on Twitter at the underscore R-Y-M, pronounced the rhyme, or on Instagram at Rising Young Minds. Additionally, you can find more Scraptitude content on Twitter and Instagram at Scraptitude, or on YouTube by searching Scraptitude Philly. Alright, without further... (coughs) your time is my time is now you can't see
1: me my time is
0: now welcome back to scraptitude I am Timothy
1: Lewis and joining me as always is my co-host Jeff Akins what up hey yo so uh, how you doing today Jeff I'm doing well it's raining and that sucks but
0: Yep, rainy day in Philly, but we got a showdown in South Philadelphia between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. Philly
1: versus everybody. You
0: know what it is, you bitch. Oh yeah,
1: we're about to go. We're about to be up 3-1 to one after this game.
0: You trust the process. Philly, unite. We in this, John. I'm, I'm super oh, stoked for that, and that's shit. at 3.30. So we're we going to we gonna have to bring you this in a timely fashion. But this specific episode is going to focus on boxing. And first and foremost, oh, we have some scraps from April 20th to cover, including Danny Garcia versus
1: Adrian Granados. Oh, yeah. That was a uh, good comeback fight for our man, Danny Garcia, after a tough loss to uh, was Sean Porter. And we are now very happy to say that he took that bull to school. Uh, it was very nice to see Danny come out. And it looked like it had, he was having a great time. And finish, I don't think Granados had been finished right uh, before that. Granados
0: had never been finished before that fight. Say what you will about Danny Garcia. A lot of people call him a cherry picker. Some people criticize him for losing when he faced the top level of competition in this division. I say, fuck (laughs) (laughs) y'all. We Philly in this bitch. And a lot of people, even though Danny Garcia was the betting favorite, thought that, Adrian Granados was going to be a problematic matchup for him. Somebody that applies a lot of pressure, natural fit at the weight class, tough fight for everybody he had gone against, and Danny
1: Garcia fucking schooled him. It was great. He handled him. Um, Overall, I mean, wow, this fight was a little while ago, but it was basically, you know, it was textbook Danny. He was able to walk him down and apply his pressure, and he really, you know, That textbook check took that Danny throws so well. (laughs) Coming back. And you know what? It was a great fight, and we are happy to see Danny in the wincom again. And you know what? I'm ready to see Danny fight again. Who do you think is coming up for him next? Matt, I've actually been kind of puzzled by this because it
0: seems like a lot of the top talent in the division is tied up. You hear swirling rumors about Thurman and Pacquiao uh, you know, moments away from signing. Sean Porter is intended to take on Earl Spence uh-huh Jr. Jr. Yeah. That may have been officially announced. So there's... A lot of the top names are occupied right now for mm. Danny Garcia. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him get in there with Adrian Broner. If mm. Broner's willing to step in and take another hard-hitting fight and you that's know throw one. himself back in there, back into the fire, and try to show that he still belongs after taking mm. that whooping from <laughs> Manny Pacquiao.
1: Yeah, that was funny. Um That's true. Maybe... Speaking of Manny Pacquiao, what about Manny Pacquiao? Do you think Danny could get it? Well, if he beats Thurman. If he
0: beats Thurman, that's a good fight for
1: Pacquiao. That's, you know, because I feel like that's that could be a fight that Danny... I mean, I'm sure uh, Danny seems less scary than Errol Spence Jr. And, the you know, after that and everyone else out there, so...
0: Danny's a fight for anybody in this division,
1: though. And he would probably give Earl Spence Jr. a better fight than
0: some of these other dudes. At least I think that he would... Being there and training with him, and he has the durability to make mm. it an interesting bout. Earl Spence Jr. seems like he's a little bit too big and a little bit too strong. But you know what? Danny, he came into this fight and he came in like he had something to prove. Mm. And that's what I've been looking for from him is uh, I, I thought that Danny was perhaps resting on his laurels a bit and feeling very comfortable. And despite coming off of a couple of losses, I thought he felt secure in where he was with his life, with his boxing legacy. Mm. It didn't seem like he had that hunger. And in this fight, he made a statement, and the division has to look out because mm. he showed that that timing and that punching power and everything that he has is no less lethal than it had been before. People were calling him a cherry picker, and
1: before he had those tough fights that people made his that made people doubt his credibility. I don't know. Yeah, I just it's hard for anyone to. I can't really agree with the cherry picker thing simply because he 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 has fought top competition, and for the fact that he had he had a split decision loss to Keith Thurman, which is. It's a split decision loss. That is what it is. And then he had his UD against Porter, which uh, – <laughs> That fight was actually closer yeah. than the, the Keith, Keith Thurman, Thurman fight, in my yeah. opinion. He could have won the Sean Porter yeah. fight, whereas so, he
0: didn't really deserve the Thurman yeah. fight.
1: And then um, you know, some people were a little taken from his lamont Peterson fight, but I thought he did fine. And I thought he won that fight too. And it's just uh, – <sighs> Danny is out here, and he's taking good fights. So anyone out here calling him a cherry picker, eat a dick.
0: Eat a dick straight from Philly to your heart. Anyways, Danny Garcia, awesome. I like Granados. So I think he's tough. It just, it also looked like, though, that we had a, a world class type of boxer who has that type of fighting camp and regimen, nutrition, all of that. And then it kind of seemed like we had a guy who has coasted on toughness and mm. grit and determination. And those seemed to be very pertinent variables when that fight took place. Mm. Garcia just seemed crisper. He seemed faster. He seemed stronger. He seemed fresher. Just everything about him seemed to class up. And I'm not sure if that's just the camp or that's because he's an alpha dog and uh, Granados is a beta in this division.
1: Well, I mean, it's really about... I mean, half of... Not half of boxing, but a good part of boxing is recognizing when and when you shouldn't fight certain people and the types of opponents you need to fight at a certain time in your career. And... Uh, Danny isn't – the thing that he did and I think is important is that while he didn't choose the most difficult fight here, I think that Granados gave, was the type of fighter that he needed to get in there with to show people that he is still here and that he can, he can still close out fights at welterweight and that there's no reason to think that just because he has – he, uh you know, alternated wins and losses for a few fights doesn't mean that he's not still – at the top, uh, one of the top fighters in this division.
0: Actually, who's the guy that Sean Porter just beat? Because that's a fight for uh, uh, Danny Garcia, because that was a controversial decision mm-hmm. in favor of Sean Porter. Ugas, yeah. something like that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're Danny Ugas. Ugas. That yeah. was actually,
1: yeah, I remember that fight. That was when, so Porter came in, he had that horrible weight cut, and then uh, Ugas really, they had an intense fight. I think uh, Porter was pretty slow in the start, and uh, but I think he managed to turn it up later in the rounds. So I have to rewatch it, but that was. Uh, yeah, that was in March. That was from March, so yeah.
0: Depends on what kind of fight Danny's looking for. In my opinion, you give him another fan-friendly, stylistically favorable fight, because this is all about kind of re uh, rehabilitating Danny's brand yeah. to get him in there with another top name, another killer. And, I mean, I, I think that Danny is psychologically ready for any fight that you throw at him. However, just for the sake of the economics of boxing give him a Broner, give him a Jeff Horn, somebody Mm. with a name. Mm. But that's also probably not going to challenge Danny in the way some of these other guys uh, at the peak of the division are, who he can have a statement victory against.
1: That's true. I see. So we've got – I mean, Adrian Broner. I actually like that Jeff Horn fight. Yeah, I I, I like that fight. I think that Horn is a little slighted right now because people, I think, are just – He's getting worked after that gift victory from Pacquiao, and now everyone's like, yo, 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 let me whoop this bull's ass so I can get, <laughs> <So> I get- <laughs> But that's the thing. But he's. Like, a-
0: I give Horn credit because he's not afraid of anybody. Like, he came in yeah. and took that Crawford fight, which is like the hardest <laughs> fight in boxing right yeah. now. So g- give credit where credit is due. I mean, you look at Jeff Horn, you laugh at him all you want, but <laughs> then you look at uh, Amir Khan fighting Terrence Crawford, which mm. is my awesome segue. And you-, you start to gain a. There's Vargas. I did forget about Vargas you to, you start to gain a greater perspective though about the fact that Jeff Horn maybe he's an, he's not the best guy out there and he was overrated after his performance against Pacquiao but then perhaps mm. he was underrated because Terence Crawford is that good. Mm. It would be a cool fight, a dog fight, and I think Danny Garcia beats Jeff Horn, but it'd be a nice stylistic show, fan-friendly bout, yeah. and something that gives Danny Garcia more momentum heading into a bigger fight for a belt.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I could see either of those fights. I do like the I like Br- the Broner fight. I think that fight would produce the best build up between the two just because of the personality clash. <laughs> yeah. And uh especially just for the fact that Broner is tends to take L's so really hard. And yeah. <laughs> it's just uh And we root for Philly W's. And it would just be so funny because I think that one Danny would probably I think Danny would sleep him and then it would just be so good to have Broner got a fucking chin. If there's one thing about him though is he can take a shot. He can take a shot, but he's going to bed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it'd be good. There's a lot of stuff that there's a lot of different directions I think that Danny could take, but the bit, the most money making one I think is Adrian Broner. Uh I I think that Danny might want a rematch maybe with Porter or with uh Keith Thurman as a way to just get back in there, maybe avenge a loss. I agree. I think that it would behoove him to maybe get another name in there before he gets Hobbs back in there, just so you can have you know, get two wins under your belt and then get in there with someone yeah. who you know. Yeah. He was I a agree. dark
0: horse in this division though, because Keith Thurman, I mean, at least after his performance against Josecito Lopez, looked vulnerable. Yeah. His fight with Sean Porter was razor close where he landed the better shots. True. But Sean Porter was the more active fighter. He's he's a dark horse in this division right now and mm-hmm. a good fight for anybody. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where Danny's path leads forward, but moving on to Crawford versus Khan, this fight was a stacked card that also featured. This card had the Teofimo Lopez setup fight, yep. and it, it also featured the Shakur, uh, Shakur Stevenson versus uh, mm-hmm. uh, fuck was his name Christopher Diaz. Yep. S- so th- this was meant to be a monumental card for boxing, and I believe it underperformed in, from a pay per view <laughs> perspective. And it was really a black spot on the sport uh, because Crawford is one of its premier talents, and Amir Khan is a name who has some degree of respect, a reputation, uh, and is also kind of a setup fight for you know really bringing some of these newer fighters into okay, the mainstream.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Amir to have Khan that fight end on a stone. <laughs> yeah, to have that fight end on a dick punch. Well, all right, that see. Seat... <sighs> That's where it gets weird, and that's where you have to understand. Like that's where you got to talk to the ref and recognize where the ref is going to be in this type of stuff, and how you want to have. Because the fighters can only do so much, so it really depends on how well you can control your fighters. And also, Amir kind of trying to take an easy way out. I feel like and seeing we could pull a DQ out of that, but <sighs> we. I mean, I guess we can talk about how it wasn't a good way for the fight to end. But for real, at the end of the day, Terence was. Terrence was having the most success in the fight, but Amir, I guess, was starting to have a little bit of... uh, I don't know. I guess he was landing a little bit as... I mean, in the rounds that he... I mean, I don't really think so. Amir,
0: he landed very little little, throughout the fight. He actually started to seem to catch his rhythm a little bit before the nut shot (laughs) and at least be able to, you know, be competitive in some exchanges. However, what tips the scales for me in terms of Was he just too hurt from being hit in the nuts versus uh, did he take the bitch way out? He had five minutes to recover. Yeah. Five minutes. And he chose not to take it. He didn't even see how he would feel shortly afterwards. He just said, no, I'm I'm done, done, I'm done, I'm done. And, you know, like. Like, the least you can do is give yourself the opportunity to recover, and he had no interest in that, and therefore I have no interest in giving him the benefit of the doubt, saying that he was too hurt, because he seemed to be walking around fine and interviewing fine. I have not seen any reports of testicular contusions, (sighs) so Amir Khan, you know... I give everybody respect for stepping in the ring, stepping in the octagon, participating in combat sports, because you have to be a hardcore motherfucker. You have to be a dog who perseveres through years of training, who just demonstrates the highest level of perseverance. But right there, he folded. And to me, that was the bookend on a career of Amir Khan.
1: I mean, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. One of the things that was a, that, that seemed to be the biggest thing that I I also gleaned from it, is that he just was looking for a way out, and he saw that he was overmatched. But I'm... Um, it is disappointing. I mean, that's really what it is. It was it was a disappointing end to what was supposed to be a good showcase for potentially either fighter, and it's just that I had hoped that Amir would have a little more uh, respect for what he was doing and respect for himself to at least try and at least be like, "Yo, guys, just chill for five minutes." I mean, damn, bro, you can still quit after it, but like, at least give your like make it look good, like shit, like I don't know. It's just. It is a little disappointing, and what it does is it kind of taints what's happening for Crawford because a lot of people will see that, and there's always the conspiracy theorists in boxing, and there's always the people that are going to be like, oh well, yeah, he was winning, but he just he hit him with the nut shot, and that really was, but that's how people, you know, people pull out anything from any type of fight. So. Well, that'll
0: be like the fan, because you know there's already contingencies that are building up where there's the Terence Crawford crowd and the Earl Spence Jr. crowd, yeah, and so there's going to be low blows tossed back and forth, pun intended. <laughs> because these two have uh you know there's gonna there's just gonna be that fanboyism that propels yeah. some ludicrous discussion points. just confirm for me that Shakur Stevenson fight was on this card, correct. Yes, uh, it was okay.
1: Yeah, I see. Well, uh,
0: yeah. Okay. First of all, on Boxing Rec, they have Shakur Stevenson's mugshot photo he, so as his up. profile picture, like bloodshot eyes. Just it's not cool.
1: It's just a bad, it's such look. a bad look.
0: But you know, don't don't end up with your your your, your shot t- taking the I as a mugshot. I guess I don't know. I, I don't like know. That. I mean, bull <laughs> out here in street fights and shit like that. Like you got to keep yourself out of trouble know, as a high level professional be athlete. Like Fifty million pictures of this bull's face. Yeah, but you can't. You, I'll, I don't know. I, there, there are 50, yeah. that boxing wreck. Yeah. There's no doubt. Boxing wreck <laughs> did Shakur Stevenson dirty here. There's no doubt about that. They could have pulled any number of photos, and somebody out here either they have a vendetta yeah. against Shakur Stevenson, or That's they they just have shit. a sense of humor. It's funny as shit. <laughs> but he's talented, man. He's 130 pounds, probably going to move up to 135 in the near future. Mm. He is a very talented fighter. We're talking about some of these up and coming guys. He's young. How old is he? Uh 21. He's 21 years old and yeah. the way he fights it just reminds you of like seasoned, calculated professionals like doesn't o- take risks like overt risks. Play, uh, fights within himself, strong fundamentals, picks his shots wisely, mm. calculated defense, strong combination. I mean, he's Yeah. He's just really, really individual. good. I'm excited to see where he goes. And his fight against Christopher Diaz was a win against a 24-year-old fighter who had only had one loss previous. Yep. Really strong uh, really strong showing from Shakur Stevenson. And even though that was only his 11th win of his career, it puts him in the the conversation of fighting some real names in this division. I know he exchanged some tweets with uh, Gervonta. Gervonta Davis. Mm-hmm. That fight might not happen in the near future, but it's one I would like to see down the line. Of course, it seems like I'm throwing Gervonta Davis's name in almost every fight. I want to see whether that's Tevin Farmer, whether that's Vasily Lomachenko, whether that is now Shakur Stevenson, Teofimo Lopez. But I'm more impressed, actually, by Shakur Stevenson than Teofimo Lopez, as impressive as Teofimo Lopez has appeared to be.
1: Teofimo is actually bigger than him, but uh, who's te- uh Yeah, I mean, they're both... They're both young. They're both young bloods, you know. Getting how their old feet. is Tiafimo?
0: They're the same age. They're, they're both twenty-one. Old. Wow, a lot yeah. of talent, and he's fighting. They're
1: uh, actually one, almost one, exactly one month apart in age. So, are and they're
0: both fighting at okay? Tia is fighting at one thirty-five, and Shakur is currently at one thirty, though. Yeah.
1: So, one of the things that wait,
0: and Tia out of Brooklyn, and how about Shakur? Shakur's from New Jersey. New Jersey, wow. Oh, yeah. So we got Fight some East Georgia. Coast dogs. I yeah. love that. So, you gotta
1: love that. I mean, it, it gets. Uh, the Gervonta fight is probably the closer one, just the easier to make in terms of weight wise, just because they're closer in weight. But I think that I can see the Gervonta fight happening just because uh, you know good management likes to get you know certain fights out of the way before fighters become problems in sp- certain aspects. And I'm sure that Gervonta, I mean, he hits hard and stuff. Actually, one of the things that's interesting, I think. Yeah, Shakur's actually a good amount bigger than Gervonta is, too. At least height and... Uh, I mean, class. Gervonta is kind of like a little silverback. Uh, yeah,
0: true. That's how he's built. Like, he, I've even made the Tyson comparison. It, mm-hmm. I mean, they're not... Like, he's kind of hybrid tyson Roy Jones. I see elements of both <laughs> their game in uh, in Tank Davis. There's so much talent blooming mm-hmm. in that division, mm-hmm. those weight classes right there. And yeah. a man like Vasily Lomachenko, it... <laughs> If I was ground. him, I would be taking these fights now, now because he's going to get older and these guys are going to get better. Yeah. So he should be trying to pull like a Floyd Mayweather where he fights a young Canelo and mm. don't let them, these boys come into their prime because they're going to have the yeah. explosiveness
1: and the power to be a real problem. I agree. I think uh well, what's I think Teofimo has the most uh Besides Gervonta, just because Gervonta has Floyd, uh, who's bolstered his image, I think Teofimo is definitely going to be the one who seems to be who's going to break out a little bit more. He seems to have a good personality, and when you watch him fight, he seems to he he's seems arrogant,
0: to... he's cocky as shit, yeah. man. The thing though is Teofimo doesn't have any real fights on his record right now. Well, like like yeah. the bull they, bull, they, bull, they threw Teofimo. it was like, well, like he, he, had, he had the record built up, yeah. but it was well, it was not uh... thought to be like a a challenging fight. It fuck. was like this is this is a, a yeah. veteran who's not going to have the punching power or well, anything to really He's fought a you. good amount of
1: veterans. All of his last fights all of them are 20 plus. These one like 25 1 34 and 30. I I 30, hear you, 30, but you just, just pad records. It's but. it's
0: you but you look at those guys records yeah. and you look at their combined uh, their yeah. opponent's combined records oh, I'm and sure they're probably ridiculous. The guy that Tiafimo Lopez beat is mm. a veteran, what's his name? Uh Tatili how the fuck? He's Tatili He's a veteran, but he's known as a guy that's more of like a technical dude, fights on the outside, not a lot of power, just wasn't going to threaten Tiafimo mm. and keep him honest. True. And so it was stylistically a favorable matchup, where Shakur Stevenson mm. took on an opponent that is young and hungry and ascending. Mm. And mm. to me, that, that's a much larger feather in his proverbial cap than what Tiafimo Lopez achieved on that same night. And therefore, I'm more excited about Shakur Stevenson. He's a more proven commodity, even mm. if he's not as flashy and explosive and mm. powerful punch-for-punch punch as Tiafimo Lopez. Mm. Would you favor him in the fight? I would. Mm. You heard it here. That's one I'd love to see, but that's one that's not going to happen anytime soon. Okay, Moving on, we just had last night on Cuatro de Mayo, or that's, that's how you do it? That's the Spanish? I'm Spanish and yeah, Quattro de Mayo. Yeah, Quattro de Mayo. <laughs> Hold the mayo though. I don't eat no mayo. Uh Jacobs versus Canelo Alvarez. This was this was a good fight. Uh I think a lot of people saw a decision as a likely outcome and that Canelo would be the benefactor of that outcome.
1: Yeah, uh I don't know if anyone's really expecting to win decisions against Canelo anymore. And what <laughs> One of the things that, at least, I mean, no one expected Danny Jacobs to come in here and really get the W, but I definitely had him as a more live underdog than a lot of the betting uh, sites and a lot of odds makers had him as, and I think that was... Yeah, you did. Well, I think that was much more apparent uh, as the fight was going, and while Canelo definitely seemed to be pulling ahead at points... uh, Jacobs was game the entire fight, even taking some of the last rounds of the fight away from Canelo just through sheer uh, activity alone. As Canelo was trying to pace himself for the last few rounds, and I think that, uh, I think that depending on you know who you are and the state of where you're fighting, that is the type of stuff that leans leans judges one way or the other. And I think that Daniel Jacobs has been on the losing end of a few of a few decisions now that he has been trying to work his way. Just two. A few. Yeah. A few decisions. Two? Two? gets a couple. Uh, okay. I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Sure. But um, I think now that he has... He's shown... so. I think he's shown enough of his game to the fact that he definitely was more game than they gave him credit for. He put up a much better fight than I think that uh, he got credit for in the cards. And Canelo is obviously an, a special talent. But... It yeah.
0: was game. Daniel Jacobs was game, and the fight was competitive. That does not mean I think it was necessarily close. I thought that Canelo overwhelmingly won the first like two-thirds of the fight, mm. and that Daniel Jacobs came on. I think we had him winning the seventh, and then maybe the seven, nine, ninth and tenth, and tenth, tenth. something yeah, like, that, seven or like that, seventh, tenth, eleventh, seventh, ninth, let So Canelo came back strong Our in the total
1: legal stream cut out for a second and we warned we had to uh No, my man here a DAZN get, subscriber. That yeah. shit's real. So, that we shit's were there. real. So, uh Holy shit. How the hell do you say this dude's name?
0: Oh, Sergey Drev- Drevyachenko or whatever.
1: Drever- Yo, y'all need to chill with this. All right. Yeah, Drevyachenko. See, Golovkin is as complicated as it needs to get. We don't need this. Gennady's actually G- Gennady Golovkin's pretty easy,
0: but that Drevyachenko or whatever the fuck that bull's name yeah. is, I don't Okay. Anyway. but uh, <laughs> Danny Jacobs, most people, I believe, that actually have some kind of boxing acumen, knew that he was going to come in, he was going to be fast, he was going to be big, he was going to be durable, and that he was going to definitely push Canelo reaction. to... He's going to push Canelo to be a good version of himself. He was going to yes. make Canelo work, and that's exactly what happened. And Canelo came out and he was a superior boxer both mm. technically and both in terms of power. Everything seemed to be in Canelo's favor. Yeah. Up through round 6, Canelo now I know he's the new golden boy. <laughs> he does lose zap in the sa- second half of the fight. He's yeah. a good enough boxer and he conserves enough energy and he's able to function when he's tired well enough that it it's not a cataclysmic detriment, mm. but he definitely loses juice. And you saw da- uh, Daniel Jacobs still have zap on his punches later in the fight mm. in a way that Canelo didn't, but Canelo's smooth and he's rolling with punches and he was using that momentum to bring back his hooks. And he's, he's a tremendous athlete in his own right, but you did see him slow down. And I think that there were a couple of different variables coming in, in with this fight. One was that Danny Jacobs had that crazy weight cut. Yeah. Down to 160, which is not a
1: natural weight class for him to be fighting at. Yeah, so, I mean, so they had the rehydration clause, which is not something that they had to do when he fought Triple G, but one of the things that. So did they come in at. Did he have to weigh in at the same for the Triple G fight, or was that one a no. little higher than 160? No,
0: Triple G, they fought at 160, but, but okay. there was no titles on the line, so, so he, he did not re- have to do the secondary weigh in yes. to qualify for, which you have to be. Uh, 170 or below, yes. within 10
1: pounds. Yeah, so now it gets to the point where we have to really guess how much that that if that is what was affecting his condition and how much he was worrying about it. But um, I think psychologically, it weighed on him because his
0: activity level was low during the early portions mm-hmm. of the fight. And to me, that's a fighter that's trying to conserve energy because he had to know that you can't be dropping early rounds to Canelo yeah. and letting this go to
1: potentially to a decision, and that it was going to be hard to finish him late in the fight. Yeah, I just—it really showed—I mean, that's one of the things that Jacobs has been trying to do, and he's been trying to use his weight as an advantage to try and bully these smaller but but more technically better fighters, and that's—what's happening is, you know, Canelo's just a little smarter than—and played the game a little different than Triple G did, and I think that Jacobs just tried to bite off a little more than he could chew. It was good—it was definitely— you know he reached for greatness there, and it was definitely a good fight. And he put, a, you know, it was good, and it was a, it's a nice win for Canelo, and it's gonna push him on to you know even greater heights. But at this point, I'm trying to see better fights than this. Yeah. Well,
0: you said best new manager, new me, <laughs> Triple G watching this shit from the uh, ringside with his oh, like, shades dude. on, oh, so good pink blazer. Oh, oh, dude that was stunting out here. Afterwards, he said the fight was boring. He said it was a sparring match. He said mm-hmm. they had no emotion. And I kind of agree in that the fight played out in a very predictable way between Jacobs and Canelo. Canelo true. just being the better fighter, but Jacobs being the scrappy uh, competitor who was willing, who was able to make him work and ha- keep a competitive fight that went to the distance. But Triple G was right that there didn't seem to be that – Big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. To the fight that where Danny Jacobs was willing to go for it, or that Canelo felt the need to punish him and make a statement with a yeah. stoppage. I think Canello's getting a little comfortable with these decisions. Well, he's he's so good though, yeah, and I mean smart. honestly, he's in a position where these guys have to be forcing him to work. And because to me, Canelo was at, felt like he was in a class above Daniel Jacobs, where he was able to just kind of coast through the fight yeah. and not take unnecessary risks. He did slow down because of his cardio a little bit, but also he's like, he's experienced enough as a fighter to where once he gets deeper into these fights and he knows he's up on the cards mm-hmm. and he knows your speed, he knows your power, why open up the margin of error? I get that there's some gamesmanship there and chasing the finish, but he's a smart guy. He's cerebral in there, and he's not going to force anything. And that's what we saw. We saw somebody who was willing to take the
1: path of least resistance to victory. Yeah, I mean... I'm not. I'm never a fan of this 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 shady judge life. But it is what it is. But he won that fight. I mean, he won that there's, fight. There's no doubt about I'm that. one. I'm just saying. I think you shouldn't be. He's getting comfortable getting these decisions. Canelo won that fight, though. He won the fight. He's getting too comfy. So it's not like Danny Jacobs is some easy
0: guy to finish. He's only been finished once in his career, and that was a devastating knockout I'm not, by Dimitri Pirog. Yeah. So it's not like this is some chopped liver. Th- like he's finished. Hadn't he finished his two previous opponents? I think so. He
1: finished... Uh, no, he had a split decision and you know. No, no, no. Not
0: Danny Jacobs. Uh, Canelo. Uh, You're oh, saying Canelo. he's getting comfortable with his decisions. He beat Rocky Fielding in majority, like, second, the second round. Majority decision. Uh, oh, Triple G. The yeah. Julio Cesar Chavez fight was longer ago, and ED. that was a decision as well. Knock on, knock alright
1: All right. Rudy. All I'm saying is... He he's... did
0: finish Rocky Fielding early on. That was at 168. Good for him. That was also kind of like a warm-up, yeah. stay-fresh
1: fight. <sighs> Look. He's the new golden boy. It's fine. Yes, that's all it is. I'm pr- I'm happy for Canelo. You He's know how I am on this.
0: You know that I yeah. was very pro Triple G in both fights. I thought Triple G won both fights. The w- first by a greater margin, clearly. So there's you're not going to yeah. get any argument uh, no, at me I'm about not, the yeah. the shady <laughs> judging and how that's a stain on boxing.
1: Yeah. I'm not even talking. About it. It's just it is what it is. I just the one thing that I think that that is I think it'll. Uh, show up I guess. I don't know if Triple G will take advantage of it, but maybe some as better boxers maybe are enticed to fight Canelo, he can that cardio thing will become a disadvantage if you aren't able to keep up your output in later rounds. Because once I mean it's one thing to have a fighter who's drained, who's trying to keep under a weight, but someone who's in there and is, is able to take advantage of you losing your breath like that, it'll get interesting. Anyhow, anyway, moving on to more Philadelphia
0: feistiness, fucking greatness. Much better. J. Rock, Julian Williams, challenging uh, three belt title holder Jared Hurd for the super welterweight championship. My man Julian Williams looking hard as shit in his uh, boxing wreck image. Oh my god! Just look (laughs) at that man. Like you said, thousand yard stare or whatever. Looking right through your soul, okay, so Julian Williams trains out of West Philadelphia at James Schuler Memorial Boxing gym, which is where I happen to get some of my work as well, not nearly at the same level um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll put that I'll, I'll, I'll put that uh, uh, i'll will state that but i I have had the pleasure of watching uh of watching Julian work a little bit and he's. Fit and ready and mentally mm. there, and I'm excited to see him go in and implement all the things that he's been showing in the gym. Because he is a top-notch fighter, and I haven't seen what the odds are for this fight. I'm sure they favor Jarrett Hurd, but if you saw what I see, and uh, if, if if you know what this, uh, this Philly spirit brings out of some of these cats, man he's he's going to come up and he's going to be ready and he's going to show all the craftiness and the preparation and the grit that he has on May
1: 11th. Yeah, I mean I agree and it's going to be a great fight and when, uh, from watching you know, just from watching Hurt and just from seeing some of Williams highlights and stuff like that one of the uh, things that's going to be fun about this is Hurt is a little bit of a slow starter. He tends to get uh, bent over a little bit at his waist a little hard and he gets to get caught off the center line by uh the right hands tend to slip through early, Tony Harrison had a little bit of success with that in their fir- when in their fight uh when they were going on it and uh one of the things you can see from uh Julian is that he's got a pretty sneaky right hand and it's pretty good and yeah. that's, he cracks with yeah. that too that shot has power in it man and um herd gets caught with that you hear you hear that shit when uh man that that jaw has a legit thud yeah. to it when it connects mm-hmm. and uh it's I think that's gonna be. A big a piece of what Williams has to do. And the one thing that the only thing that I that I have to think about really is the fact that one, hurt is definitely bigger than all this sh- all these things say he is. He's definitely what ba- he's definitely six one. Yes, six one definitely that real six one. A lot of people have him listed as like five eleven and stuff like that. And that's just not he's bigger than he's that. big and he's gonna be significantly bigger yeah. than J Rock. And um that's really one of the things that just, it does bring back the echoes to the Jamal or Jamal Charlo fight. Was and the that, Jamal. Jamal. Whatever. And they, <laughs> they, one of the things that is important is he's going to have to make sure that he stays active and make sure that he's paying, that he doesn't get caught like he did against uh, the, the Charlo brothers. But I, that was a f- flash shot. The thing is Jared yeah. hurt
0: is a big puncher and he's not so much different from those guys in that regard. Uh, so the, you, you are going to have to be watching out for that power. You are going to have to make sure that your head's on a swivel, that you're maintaining craftiness against uh, Jarrett Hurd. That said, despite his all of his achievements in boxing so far, a 23-0, uh, th- three-belt title holder, he's not invincible. And these guys yeah. that make him work and that get in his face mm-hmm. and that pressure him, can put something on him because Jarrett mm-hmm. Hurd, it's not like he's some defensive Actually. savant. It's not like he's some footwork wizard. Yeah. He's got a lot of power, and he's big, and he's strong, and he's a sharp puncher, and he hurts these dudes. But J-Rock is he's crafty. He moves his feet well. He doesn't mm. overextend himself. That shot that he got caught with by Charlo, it was beautifully timed, but that that doesn't happen all the time, man. Like no. Sometimes you just get caught with a shot that's well-timed, well-placed, and part of, that's part of being a competitor in this sport. You did see earlier in that round, though, and it it was a good fight, and Julian Williams had his moments against Charlo in mm-hmm. that fight. He actually caught him with a good right hand earlier in that round before he caught that fateful uppercut that had uh, Charlo hurt. He has the power to crack and hurt dudes that are bigger than him. Mm. That, that's that been apparent to me. He is going to have to be wary about the power. Uh, Jarrett Hurd is rightfully going to be the favorite. But Julian Williams, he's been in there with the top, the top guys in the world. He only has one loss, and that's to somebody that's in the top 10 pound for pound of many people. Yeah, He's being slept on a little bit here, and I would not be surprised if his uh, ringmanship, like his ring generalship, if his footwork, if his slickness, if his technical proficiency all give Jared Hurd a lot of trouble
1: yeah um one of the things that i saw with jared heard when uh with the Eris landy uh laura fight was that he tends to get a little lazy as the fight goes on he likes to drop his uh he likes to drop his left hand and hold it low for his jab and um a lot tony harrison and Land, uh, Lara had success against him but uh as the fight went on and Lara actually took him to a split decision so it was actually very interesting to see uh one of the things that I that you see with J Rock and he does oh, well shit, that was a split. Yeah, is he pulls off he and this herd is so to to he can you just cir- you can circle off to to herd's right side and you can crack him and it's just it shows up in every fight and Landry Eris Jesus Christ Eris Landy and Tony Harrison both had success with it and just I don't know if if. Julian can keep you know keep his wits about him, keep his head on the swivel. I think he has a really good chance of taking it. He's not, I don't know if he's going to stop him, but I think he has a good chance of taking a decision just because of the fact that Hurd gets lazy as the fight goes on.
0: This very well could be a wake up fight for Jarrett Hurd because he's not so different from the Charlo brothers in that he's no. big for one fifty four. Mm-hmm. Like he's big. He's big. I'm six feet tall. I weigh one hundred seventy pounds right now. I'm not in like fight camp shape or whatever, mm-hmm. but. Jarrett Hurd, the idea of me getting down to 154 pounds is like, whew, that would be a fucking feat of survival, and that's where Jarrett Hurd is fighting right now. It's difficult for me to see this being a comfortable weight weight class for him in the long term. He's 28 years old, so he's definitely experiencing some physiological changes in his body, uh, as is inherently true with physiological changes. They occur in the body. Uh, But Jarrett Hurd could be running into a situation right now where he's fighting somebody that is a real 154-pound fighter with the cardio and everything that comes along with that. And there's a possibility that the work rate of this fight takes something out of him. And in the latter stages where he comes on, maybe he doesn't have the juice, and uh, J-Rock goes and pours it on him because... Watching him against uh, Nathaniel Gallimore, Julian Williams. Uh, Gallimore was a power puncher. He was a bigger guy. He's a mm. Tough dude, talked a lot of shit going in there. And what uh, Julian did is he fought a crafty fight, outboxed him in the early going, used his just technical ability. And then later on in the fight, he started exposing the weaknesses. Seizing the larger margins that are Exploited once these mm-hmm. dudes get a little tired They get a little looser, their hands drop a little bit more And there's a world where That happens against Jarrett Hurd He's going to need to watch out for that Power because and not get cocky I think that his best course of Winning this fight is probably going to be via decision Because Jarrett Hurd is big, he's going yes. to be able to Take shots mm-hmm. uh, And if you expose yourself and you're going to throw combinations too recklessly at him and get too aggressive, he could
1: catch he's you with gonna, that big he shot. Will, he's going to catch you. He, yeah. he, he's that's uh, how he is. Yeah, that, he's got a he knocks dudes out. That's, that's how it
0: was with that Jason Wellborn. You saw Jason yeah. putting a lot of pressure on him, and he was a clear underdog in that fight. And Jared Hurd caught him with the body shot, yeah, yeah. and dropped him with that out of nowhere
1: kind but of when Jason was roughing him up. But that's one of the things that will work in one of the things that can work in uh, Julian's favor as the fight gets on. Is the power goes, and he's gonna, and he's just gonna have to make her work, and that's gonna be a key for him. And I think it's gonna be a good fight. And I hope, I hope we see Julian Williams, J Rock, bring a title to Philadelphia.
0: Hell you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hell yeah! What we need, we got Tevin Farmer, Philadelphia champion. We got J Rock, about to bring. Three straps to Philly. We got Danny hey. Garcia back on the rise, about to claim more straps, most mm, straps, mm. strap season, Philadelphia. It's a Philly summer. Let's get with that shit. Hey. Uh, I do want to say one more thing, uh, you know, just propping up our city, the city we love, the city of brotherly love. I was at, uh, not this past weekend, the weekend previous, Friday night, Bounce on Broad at the Met Philadelphia. It was an exciting event. A lot of native Philadelphia fighters. Uh, It's just a good time. The Mets are an exciting venue. Great place to watch fights. And we have a video that's now on YouTube that's kind of summarizing some of the stuff that's going on. There was one dude from Uganda that actually took uh, a Pennsylvania title holder's belt. He was super slick. You can see his name in the credits. I forget it. Whatever. But a lot of good scraps that were going on. And you know, Scraftitude we're out here we're We're trying to do more than just be podcasters or tweeters. We're trying to be involved in this entire fight game and Philadelphia is a bedrock of scrapping. We are a city of brotherly love, but we are also a city of brotherly combat scrap and and it's an amazing thing to to be surrounded in that kind of environment with that type of intensity and i love I love seeing champions being born and bred in this city, the greatest city on earth. (laughs)